This is Michelle bringing you hope today. Throughout the years, the last 20 years or so, I've really targeted all my efforts into writing books and writing fiction. We had adopted a little girl from Russia, and she was in an orphanage for two years. And I didn't want to go to work full-time and leave her in daycare because she really needed time to bond. I stayed home with her and I tried to get published in magazines and so on. Eventually I started delving into short stories and I started taking classes and really growing myself in the writing arena. I I decided that I was just going to conquer it. I was going to figure this thing out, doggone it, and I was going to get published. Boy, it was a lot of work. Well, today I'm here talking to you as a mom of an addicted loved one and a mother-in-law of an addicted loved one and a grandmother to four kids, but two of whom live with us because of addiction. And oftentimes I, I ask so many moms I meet, you know, what, what did you struggle with the most when you first started this journey? And I'm going to share a little bit of that with you today, but how did I go from writing books to doing this, right? (laughs) I believe that God takes us on these journeys so that we can grow ourselves in order to grow others. And so that's what's bringing me here to you today. And every time I, I run this podcast is I'm committed to helping pave the road for somebody who might need help because I've been here. Do I know everything about addiction? No, but I have been living with this problem in our family for probably a good 10 years. Well, our oldest granddaughter is 14, so I think there were problems even before then, possibly. We don't really know. But so anyway, I'm here kind of shifting gears from my writing to actually speaking instead still do a lot of writing putting a course together now called mom's letting go mom's letting go without giving up how to find joy in our lives despite our addicted loved ones choices so i'm working diligently at writing that but in the meantime um, as i'm learning on the way i'm sharing that with you And today, so I ask these moms, you know, when you first found out your child was addicted, what what did you not understand the most? And one mom said, how could this possibly happen to my child? How does this happen to my child? I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. And so when I envisioned somebody addicted to drugs, I thought of skinny, bedraggled, homeless people who were dirty, living in the alleys with dirty needles and so on. And I never thought about that being a part of my family life. Ryan was working. He had a, a degree. He was trained in the orthopedic industry and he was in a job where he had to move cadavers. He was in OR. Um, he was in the OR. He had to move patients. He he was in with hip and knee 
mostly, well, maybe it was mostly hip surgeries, knee surgeries, and that kind of thing. And he, he assisted the orthopedic surgeons, but worked for a rep uh, for an orthopedic company. And he said he hurt his back, moving cadavers, moving patients. And when I say cadavers, it was because a lot of his training was done on cadavers, where he would learn a lot of the skills that he worked. And his wife was a student just finishing her nursing degree, and they had a five-year-old, four four or five-year-olds at the time. And he um, hurt his back. He hurt his back, and the doctor prescribed opioids, some kind of a pain reliever. And it wasn't long until he was addicted because he said, wow, he was working, you know, 60 hours a week. His wife was never there. She was struggling. And it was just a way for him to cope. And he just thought, wow, I can get so much done using these drugs, right? So that is how he became hooked. Um, And maybe your child was different. Um, One of the things I want to share with you about uh, addiction is some of the information that I have learned. Um, I found this article dated in 2019, just May. And I want to share some of this with you because as a parent, I want you to understand that, yes, when, when our son decided to use this painkiller more and more, um, he made the wrong decision. But by the time he made the wrong decision, his brain had already changed. So when we look at our children, we think, yeah, you know, he used to like to party and maybe they smoke pot, maybe they drink some beer. Um, when I was a teenager growing up in the suburbs of Detroit, it happened all the time. We were really young and our friends were experimenting with all kinds of stuff. Um, but today is, is a whole different beast, I think. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I think it was, uh, there's going to be a lot more research done for, on my part as far as how did, how did opioids get into the picture to capture and steal the soul of our living children, right? Because if you're like me, you know your child, you've lived with them, you've raised them, I breastfed them, I, you know, took care of them this whole life. And then when addiction takes over, it's kind of like this devil imposter overtakes their body and you don't even recognize your child anymore. But so today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what happens. Um, Addictive substances change the brain. And this isn't just me telling you this. This is science. This is neuroscience. Once somebody develops an addiction, the brain is essentially rewired to use drugs despite the consequences. While physical symptoms of an addiction will go away, situations or emotions related to past substance abuse can trigger cravings even years down the road. It doesn't mean that recovery is impossible, but people in recovery must realize it's an ongoing process. Addiction treatment is developing every day and has rapidly improved, Um, but I still believe there's a lot.
well, that was weird. Somehow that audio stopped and I my voice got hijacked. So I'm going to try to continue where I was before that happened. Um, I am sharing with you an article from addictioncenter.com, Addiction in the Brain, and how the addictive substances um, change a person's brain. Um, the human brain is a complex organ controlling every voluntary and involuntary action we make. There is a part of the brain responsible for addiction. The name for this part of the brain is the limbic system. This system, also known as the brain reward system, is responsible for producing feelings of pleasure. So when a person takes an addictive substance, the limbic system releases chemicals that make the user feel good. This encourages habitual substance use. The overwhelming involuntary need to use a substance, regardless of how harmful it is, is due to actual changes that have occurred in the brain reward system. Feeding the addiction becomes priority number one. So mom and dad, when we say, come on, if you love me enough, you could quit. Um, this isn't personal. This isn't against us. This is not deliberately to defy us and kick our butt. No, this is the brain and how it's reacting. So let me go on. The abuse of addictive substances activates the brain reward system. Frequently activating the system with drugs can lead to addiction. The brain reward system is naturally activated when we take part in actions that are good for us. The brain then rewards that behavior by creating feelings of pleasure. So like drinking water when we're thirsty activates the reward system. So we repeat that behavior. Addictive substances hijack the system, causing feelings of pleasure for actions that are actually harmful to our body. So it's like our brain doesn't know that this substance is harmful to us. It, unfortunately, the substance has a stronger effect on the brain's reward system. So it changes the biochemistry. Let me explain that. So dopamine plays a part in the reward system. It's Dopamine is a natural chemical in the brain that sends signals to the limbic system. When introduced into the limbic system, drugs mimic dopamine or cause an overproduction of it in the brain. So it's like, wow, this substance rocks, man. My brain is digging this. I want more of it. And the reason normal actions that activate the brain reward system don't reprogram the brain for addiction is because they produce normal levels of dopamine. So things like food, drinking, sex, music, they produce, um, or they don't reprogram the brain because they produce normal levels of dopamine. Well, I'm going to tell you something here. Addiction substances can release up to 10 times more dopamine than natural reward behaviors. Let me repeat that. Addictive substances can release up to 10 times more dopamine than natural reward substances. So can you imagine, okay, I'm addicted to coffee. 
I love my coffee in the morning. And I drink two, two cups. Can you imagine that addiction being 10 times as great? I would get nothing done. I would be peeing all day because I'd have to be drinking coffee all day. What about sweets, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I love, love, love my sweets. And I'm trying to cut back because um, everything has sugar in it, everything. And again, our brains, we love sweets because it triggers that dopamine in our brain to say, this is pleasure. I want more of it. Well, if you can imagine 10 times the cravings of sweets or coffee or whatever it is that you know you love so when you when we say to our kids or our grandkids um, say if my mom loved me she would choose me over the drugs it's not that easy I mean this was just so profound to me when I read this today I had to share it with you I was excited to share it with you because as parents we just cannot figure out what is wrong with our child that they would need this Substance use floods neuroreceptors with dopamine. This causes the high associated with using drugs. After continued drug use, the dopamine brain is unable to naturally produce normal levels of dopamine. So drugs really take over the reward system. They t- it, it not only takes over our child's like soul, it takes over the dopamine reward system in their body and holds it hostage. The result is craving the drugs will restore dopamine levels to normal. A person in this scenario is no longer capable of feeling good without the drug. So they cannot feel good without the drug. It's impossible. All right, I'm moving on to one other part of this article that is fascinating to me. It's about neurofeedback. If you are listening to this and you have any information about the new neurofeedback and all the studies that they're doing, um, let me know. I'm going to share that with you here. But my email address is michelle at michelleweidenbetter.com. Michelle has two L's. Weidenbetter, ooh, it's 12 letters long, and you'll have to go Google me to figure that out. But michelle Weidenbetter, or michelle at michelleweidenbetter.com. But send me an email and let me know you know anything more about this but here's here's the gist of the neurofeedback so now um, this is this method of treating addiction is gaining some traction they take an EEG so that's electroencephalogram I didn't say that right EEG biofeedback neurofeedback is a brain training process that helps the brain learn to function function better During this process, the administrator of the therapy monitors brain activity by applying sensors to the scalp, and then the administrator rewards the brain for changing its own activity to better, healthier patterns. Oh my goodness, neurofeedback helps target the underlying issues, because if you don't know this, I'm going to tell you this too, typically addiction has an underlying uh, mental illness that accompanies it. There's a dual diagnosis. Yes, they have an addiction, but there's something that triggers that. So in our son's case, um, he has problems with anxiety and his wife has had problems with depression. So they are both trying to cope with their, the, you know, their 
their disability, if you will, and they were trying to self-medicate that, and then in the throes of that became severely addicted. Um, but so, but the neural feedback can actually um, bring them back to, I guess, normal dopamine levels. I'm probably saying that wrong, but. By helping the brain relearn how to live without drugs, neurofeedback has proven to be a successful addiction treatment for many people. So if you know something about that, gosh, I would love to know more. Um, this article was written by David Hampton. He's a medical reviewer. Um, and the disclaimer here is all the information at this article has been reviewed and verified by a certified addiction professional. So today, my main focus was to bring you hope about brain chemistry and and to kind of ease your mind. Moms and dads, yes, there might be a part of our child's trauma in their past that they're trying to get over or, or trying to cope with, and we may have had a part in that, but the actual addiction component their problem is brain chemistry and and the dopamine levels and how the chemistry in the brain is changed to kind of take over any any strong will that our child might have so just find hope in knowing that this isn't a personal attack against you yes your child may be mean to you right now because your child hates himself or herself. They don't want to be this way. They're full of shame and regret and they cannot figure out how to stop because it's brain chemistry and they don't understand it. So hopefully I brought you some hope. And um, if I have, please reach out. Um, let me know how I can help you further still trying to figure out how to do some interviews. I've, I'm gaining so much traction with people who want to be interviewed, so that's great. That'll be coming. Um, but give me some reviews on your, if you're listening to this, either on Anchor or Spotify, wherever. If it's helped you any, give me some reviews so that people will find me and maybe find hope. God bless.